0: We've been in, this series has been really really good, and uh, on mind games, and uh, we spoke in the first week about how that we learn to have peace in the middle of chaos in our life. Oftentimes people think peace is the absence of chaos, and the truth is, is we live in a world that's crazy, can I get a better, amen? amen? And so there's always chaos and things going on, but we can live in the peace of God, we can live in the purpose of God, and we can live in the plan of God in the middle of the chaos because our peace comes from the Lord. And then last week we spoke on, can somebody tell me? Double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And we talked about being stable and, and, and having our hearts fixed upon the Lord. And so today, I want to just talk to you a little while today about um, having our mind right before God and having a transformed mind and having our heart right before God. Uh, it's very important that we understand and live from a place of a transformed mind. And our heart is always being renewed by God. Um. I really feel and sense in this place this morning, though, that God has walked in this place, and there's this particular anointing today for the men of our house. Now, I'm not not talking about the message as a whole. I'm talking about just chains being broken off, and I just really felt in first service and again in the second service that there's a real touch of heaven that's for our men today. And so if you're a man in the house today, uh, I feel like God wants to do something very specific in your life and in your heart. You know, we are—we have this incredible God-given gift to lead and to uh, be the men that God's called us to be. And so it's so difficult sometimes for us to really allow the emotion of the Holy Spirit in our life because we try to be, you know, most of us guys are pretty unemotional and, 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 and there are a few of us, you know, there's... There's a few like Tim Bro cries, he cries quick, and he has a lot of emotion living inside of him, which I think is pretty cool. And uh, but uh, but most of us men really gather this strength around us, and we put on. Oftentimes, we put on a mask because we don't want to share what's really inside of us. And sometimes in doing so, we also do that with God, and we just kind of block God out uh, emotionally. Not not. Not mentally, not intentionally, but just emotionally block God out, and we need to sometimes just allow our emotions to be free with God and just allow God to love us and allow him to put his arms around us and allow learn how to be. This is, you know, the Bible says that we're the bride of Christ. So we have to sometimes learn how it is as a man to be the bride, to be uh, knowing that God's loving and he's adoring us and that we're adoring him. Am I making any sense to you this morning? So we have to just kind of get up in daddy's lap and let dad put his arms around us like a big warm blanket and let him put his wraparound presence around us. And I just really feel led today to pray over our men this morning. And so I want you to bow your heads with me, and I want all the ladies in the house to join with me as we pray over the men, and I just want to see God do something supernatural in the hearts of our men in this house. Father God, we just thank you for these mighty men of God in this house, men who are lovers of God, men who care about the kingdom of God, men who, des- who desire to have the things of God. And I just pray a special blessing over the men of this house today. I pray, God, that you anoint them and touch them and strengthen them. But mostly, I pray, God, that you, will, that you move upon their hearts and as they just allow their emotions to just be moved by you, to be touched by you. They will learn the joy of allowing you to be daddy in their life and just to crawl up in your lap as you put your hands on their life. You begin to h- embrace and hold them and hug them and carry them through life's difficulties. And That their strength really comes from you. And everything that's good and perfect comes from above. So, Lord, we just pray over that today for the men of this house. Not just today, but every day of our lives. That we will be the men that you call us to be as we walk in the goodness of God. As we learn, Lord, to just be tender to your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout of praise. With that said, there's something I love about this house. You know, we have a very large percentage of men in this house. Last time I did the math, we have like 49% of our house is men. And I love that. Come on, we got a man house. That was weak. Come on, we got a man house. Love that, love that. I'm going to just talk to you a little bit today. And listen, I'm going to go ahead and put something out here. I don't know where the Holy Spirit's going to take us today. First service, I just, I, I preached my introductions about all I got to. And it was just amazing what God was speaking. but. I'm I'm not going to try to redo last service. I'm just going to try to be obedient to the Lord today so we may get through the whole thing or we may not. But I just want you to know that I'm more interested today in the Lord speaking to us and you hearing what God is saying more so than what I'm saying. So as I begin to speak, I want you to listen to what God is speaking to you about because there's something that God's wanting to speak in this house today in this series of mind games that God's wanting to do some transformation in our life and for us to live in a dimension of the Spirit that He's called us to. And so that's my prayer today, is that we hear what God is speaking. So God has called us to live in a complete life of freedom, like a life full of peace, full of joy, full of holiness, full of righteousness, full of Him. And as we live in that place The only way we can live in that place is to live from a daily renewed mind. Our mind has to be renewed every day. When I got up this morning, this one of my prayers this morning, early this morning was, Lord, today I die to you. I die out to who I am or what I think about today or what I want for today. I surrender to your purpose and your plan. I just want to encourage you today to hear what I'm about to say to you. When Paul said, I died daily, he was saying, Lord, I am a place of complete surrender. For us to have a renewed mind, it has to come from a place of surrender. It has to come from a place of like, God, I am totally, completely dependent upon you. And so when we live from that place, we have the mind of Christ. And having the mind of Christ causes us to see different and hear different so that the world around us, we live in this natural world around us, but we have a reality of another world. It's called the kingdom of heaven. So we live in this world around us. We live in this natural realm of the clock going off in the morning. We get up, we go to work, we have things to do. We got babies to feed. We got, you know, bills to pay. We have all of this stuff that we have to do in the natural. But in the middle of, the, in the middle of all the natural, we're living from a kingdom and from a heaven's perspective. Are you with me today? And so God wants us to live that way. So for us to live that way, we have to completely have our mind renewed every single day of our life. So what does it mean to have a transformed mind? Let's start with the very basics of what it means to have a transformed mind. So let's read from the passage of Scripture in Matthew four seventeen. It says, from this time on, Jesus began to proclaim his message with these words. Keep turning away from from your sin and come back to God for heaven's kingdom realm is now accessible he said keep turning away from your sin and return to God there has to be a place in our life that it's not a one-time event that we turn to God and we say to God God I love you I trust you I believe in you and I want to have and keep a repentant heart Repentance is really a word of of godly sorrow, and I want to help you this morning because I want you to understand that godly sorrow and condemnation are not the same thing. Godly sorrow is having a heart after God where you desire and you want to please God. And when you have things in your life that are wrong or that are out of order, you have a godly sorrow about those things condemnation is a work of the enemy that he puts on you to make you feel defeated and make you feel like that God doesn't love you. Godly sorrow is, repent- is, is the love of God that leads you to repentance, that draws you closer to his heart, that allows you to see from a heavenly perspective. Are you with me this morning? So it's important that we learn that we live with a heart of repentance Does that mean that I'm always saying, oh, God, forgive me, oh, God, forgive me, or trying to think of something I did wrong so I could repent, or I'm just completely uh, taken up with just always repenting. I'm just, oh, I'm not good enough. I I don't know how I'm ever going to make it because I got all this baggage in my life. No, that's condemnation. But repentance is saying, I live for God. I love Him. I trust Him with my life. And when the Lord shows up and He touches you on the shoulder, you say, Lord, forgive me. I'm going to keep my eyes set upon you. I'm going to love you with all my heart. I'm going to be obedient to you. I desire to live completely in your presence all the time all the time. So there, you know, we can, we, we don't hear a whole lot of preaching uh, about repentance anymore. I mean, like, because we've heard so much preaching about repentance that it was like from a place of hell and damnation that we've forgotten about the goodness of repentance. And so repentance really is a purpose that put the purpose of God complete in our lives. So let's just deal with some a few things this morning. I still believe sin is sin. And I believe that you can, you can live your life, uh, and not be a sinner, but have mistakes or have sin in your life. I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I want to say it again. There's a difference between a sinful life and, and making mistakes. There's a difference between a weakness and wickedness. And I believe that there is a large difference between that. And so we, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In our life, we allow things in our life, and it shortens us from the very purpose of the glory of God in our life. And so what does a repentant heart do? A repentant heart keeps us in a position or in a place where when we fall short of the glory of God or fall short of those places, we don't want to remove His glory from our life. We don't want Him to move, but we want to be in His presence. So we immediately say, Lord, in my repentant heart, I, I want to invite you completely, forgive me and wash me. And here's the powerful thing about repentance. Repentance is really allowing the finished work of Calvary in our life. It's the turning away from the old and changing directions. And there's nothing that can stand and and interfere with the power of the cross. Come on, people. There is nothing more powerful than the blood of Jesus. And when Jesus died on the cross, he died for our sins prior our sins present and our sins that are on the way he died for all of our sins and when we stand in the goodness of God and we believe on him and we trust in him the the work of Calvary the blood of Jesus has done all the work we sang a great song today when I thought I lost you and all those things happened in my life I just all all I had to do was worship it's no work on my behalf you've already done the work at calvary all i gotta do is just step into your presence you know what i can have a repentant heart without ever getting down and groveling in the floor oh god forgive me god i'm such a rotten egg i'm so terrible god but a repentant heart is i love your presence i desire more of you and anything that would set me apart from that, God, I remove from my life because I'm a lover of your presence. I'm a lover of your glory. I'm a lover of your goodness. I'm a, I desire more of you in my life. Do you understand what I'm saying today? Amen. So when it comes to the gospel and it comes to the cross, when Jesus comes into our life, When the gospel of Jesus, there's only one gospel, folks, and that's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's the only way to get to heaven. There is not another way. He is the door. He is the answer. And so when we come to Jesus with our hearts repented and we step into his goodness, the miracles begin to happen in our life. And the light of Christ comes into our life. Now, when the light of Christ comes to any place or any person, guess what? Darkness has to flee. Come on. When light comes, darkness has to flee. And when praise comes and the light of God comes and worship comes and, the, and we look to the cross, the author and the finisher of our faith, darkness has to flee out of our life. And that darkness flees out of our life. It brings a gospel. The gospel brings a new revelation and insight to the kingdom of God. I have the same promise that the early church had that he would pour out his spirit upon us. He told them to go tarry to Jerusalem till my spirit is poured out upon you. And so they went and tarried there, and the spirit of the Lord would come. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, I want you to hear this today, the Holy Spirit will be your teacher. Jesus said, I got to go away because when I go away, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and it's going to be a better teacher than me. Come on, that's pretty big, huh? When Jesus said the Holy Spirit's come, he's going to be a better teacher than me. If we look to 2 Samuel, I believe it's, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel, the 19th verse, 19th chapter, it talks about the Spirit of the Lord came upon David, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. But when we move to the New Testament, the scripture said that the Spirit of the Lord filled them, the Spirit of the Lord came. It, it didn't have a visitation, but it became a habitation. And this body is a temple of God, and the Holy Spirit becomes a habitation, and His Spirit dwells in us. It's the hope of glory. It's the Word. It's, the, it's, it's everything inside of us. And this Holy Spirit b- brings education and learning, and, and it teaches us, and it also brings revelation. It brings revelation. You know, the Lord has no secrets that He doesn't want to reveal to you. No, he just wants you to get in his presence so he can reveal those things to you. And he wants the Holy Spirit to become very powerful in your life. And we, on, the way, on our way to receiving this, or on, and our purpose of receiving the Holy Spirit, or our, uh, what we're doing is, is we're renewing this mind. We're saying to this mind, come on, mind, I'm not going to let my flesh or my mind rule me. I'm going to let the Spirit of the Lord rule me. I'm going to let the Spirit of God reign in my life. And his will be done in my life. Can I get a better amen this morning? (laughs) So Romans 12 and 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I like how it says it from the Passion Translation. It says, don't imitate the ideas and opinions and the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by what? The Holy Spirit. Through a total reformation of how you think. Praise God you're dismissed. You can go home now. That's all you need to know. Hey, a reformation, a work of the Holy Spirit in your life to totally change how you think. To totally renew your mind. To totally help you see from a different perspective. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfied and perfected in his eyes. This will help you live a beautiful life, very satisfied, living a perfect life in whose eyes? In God's eyes, in his purpose, in his plan, and his desire. It comes from this transformed mind, living the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, we think that having a good thought or bad thought is what this scripture is talking about. Like, I don't have any bad thoughts, or I'm a good person, or I do the right things. Can I help you just a little bit this morning? Oftentimes, we think that if I don't have bad thoughts, I'm a good person. Let me, help, let me tell you, you can, there are some of the greatest, greatest, greatest uh, motivational speakers that are in our culture today who have never once had an encounter with God. But they've learned how to train their brain to think the right thing. They've learned how to train their brain to, to, to speak positively and to do all those things, and they're good. And they, uh, in the New Age movement, one of their big things is meditation and, and your inner man speaking to you and your inner man talking to you. And so they've learned how to allow this, this uh, positive thinking and to, ref, uh, to change their thought pattern. It's a discipline that they use. And we kind of... S- i kind of could sneer at that maybe but the truth of the matter is it works it works it works to help you to motivate you to go be a better salesman or to be a better business owner to be a better dad or to be a, it does work but here's the problem it still does not give you a heavenly perspective It's still an earthly idea, and so therefore, you don't know what the will. Go back to that passage of Scripture for me, please. You have not come to the place that with a transformed mind that you know the will of God in your life. You know the purpose of God. I can't tell you how many people come to me week after week and say, Pastor, I just don't know what God's will is for my life. I don't know what His purpose is for my life. And here's what I want to tell you about that. The Scripture tells us that if we live by the flesh, that we're going to reap the things of the flesh. But if we live by the Spirit, we're going to reap the things of the Spirit. So when we learn to walk in the Spirit, we get a heavenly view of what our purpose here is here on earth. I was with an elderly gentleman, a minister friend, back years ago when I was a young minister. And he was blind, so he couldn't see and, uh, and I would drive him, so he, I drove him around several times of good distance. We drove from Shreveport to Oklahoma, and so it was an awesome time for me. I loved getting with him because I get to just pull on his wisdom. You know, I have him in the car, and uh, I was doing him a service, so I just asked him a billion questions, you know, about everything, and I was young, and so I was asking him one day, I was talking about, you know, God calling us to cities or calling us to a place. And I said, so, so tell me, Paul, what is, what is the will, of, how do we know the will of God for our life? He said, well, what do you mean? I said, like, if God's calling me to a city, he said, well, where would you like to live? And I said, Dallas, Texas. He said, well, the will of God is to go to Dallas and do his will. Wait, that's too shallow. I need something deeper than that. Come on, give me something like say, give me a little Shondai and ooh, and the Lord said, and he says, no, no. When you live with your life submitted and committed to God and surrender, his your his will will, will naturally come in your life. Amen. Now that is so deep, but yet we always try to make it so hard because we're trying to complicate the simplicity of walking in the Spirit. Right. And oftentimes we live in the place of decision of trying to figure out what this flesh desires and what it wants and what people expect and what people think. And all of these things, instead of just saying, Lord, I'm surrendered to your will. I get up this morning, whatever I'm doing. How many of you own businesses in here? If you own a business, raise your hand. You know what? That's not your business. That's God's business. And then when the moment you start saying, God, I'm gonna run my business with a kingdom perspective, all those questions and things that you need, the Lord will start giving you strategic downloads of how to operate that business. Because if you submit your will and your purpose to God and His and your business to His kingdom, He will give you strategies from heaven. Come on. Anybody here this morning? Wake up, come on, second service, wake up. Y'all sleep too late. Y'all, got, y'all, y'all need to get up earlier. Come on. So we, we have the purpose and the plan of God already. God has it, and he's wanting to download it in our life. We simply have to live with a renewed mind. Am I making any sense? Amen. And so we come to this place, and we walk out, and we know, and we live the will and the purpose of God. So we have to give up our human, earthly thinking. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're in this place, but we're not of this place. So we may live with this unrenewed mind, and when we live with this unrenewed mind, we're little. I'm going to be careful how I say this because I don't want to offend nobody. Not really. I'm not really worried about that. I'm just going to say it. When we live in this place of an unrenewed mind, we're little of no benefit to the kingdom of heaven. Because Christ cannot speak to us or will not speak to us from our fleshly mind. So we can't just say, look, I'm a good person. I hear people say, oh, well, I'm just a good person, you know. Listen, and let me just help you with this religious idea. Well, I come to church, and I give in the offering, and I go to the small group, and I don't cuss most days. I'm a good person. Oh, you got to hear what I'm about to say to you, okay? I, I, I do all the right things. but I live in this struggle. I live in this war within me. I live in this battle within myself, and I don't understand why I'm doing all the right things, and it feels like I'm, getting, I'm not getting the right results of what I expect God to do in my life. Let's don't blame it on God. But I'm not living where I am walking in that renewed place. And we care a lot about what people think about us. And we care a lot about what others think, uh, the, the group we're trying to mix in with and blend in with. And we start looking at one another, and is the worst thing in the Christian life, is to judge ourselves among ourselves. You see, because God made April, April. He made Cody. Cody. He made Isaac, Isaac. And when he calls us, he doesn't call us as a body of people who look like we're not cookie cutter. He calls us as individuals to his heart. When we stand before God, come help me, Peyton and Isaac. When we stand before God, when he begins to look at our life, and I'm going to be God for just a minute, just a second, because I'm not God. Stand before me, you're standing before the Lord. It's a miracle that you're standing here. You're standing before the Lord. And so God looks at us and He says, Well, you're good, but He's better. He you did this, he did twice that much. You were good on the guitar, but he was better on the guitar. You were faithful, but he was he came to church twice as much as you. You gave in the offering, but he gave more than you because he made more than you so he's better now you're laughing at that but that's oftentimes how we look at ourselves in the body of Christ comparing ourselves among one another when we stand before God he's not going to measure us by our the people around us here's what he's going to do he's going to say hey you're you and you're you and the gifts and the talent and the call and the purpose of God I put on your life It will be the measuring stick by which I measure you. I'm going to measure you by your purpose, your calling your, on your life and the purpose I put in your life. Here, here's the deal. When we stand before Jesus, the Bible tells let me help you give Scripture context to this. They stood before the Lord and he said, "Part from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never... Oh, hold up. Workers of iniquity. Are you kidding me? I mean, I was the most faithful. Did you see me raise the dead that day? Did you? I mean, Lord, really? I cast out more demons than anybody I ever knew. You see, God's not calling us to 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 compare he's calling us to have his heart he said for i never knew you i never you didn't know me i didn't we wasn't intimately involved in this relationship you went through the motions you went you did all the right things but there wasn't a place of intimacy with you and i He, we're not going to have a rap sheet in heaven anyway. Just remember that. All of our sins have been washed away at the cross. Right. Right. So when we get to heaven and we're saved, he's not, he's, he wants to know, did you know me? Did you, did you live in my purpose? Did you live in my plan? Did you, uh, was the most important thing in your life was me? Was I the center of everything in your life? And that message makes us feel completely sometimes like, oh, my gosh. You know, Paul said, I, you know, the things I know to do, I don't do. and da, da, da Oh, that I might know him. I'm thinking, my God, if Paul don't know him, I'm doomed. <laughs> but here's the thing. He's not judging me by Paul either. He's judging me by me. And I have to come to this place of surrender in my life, Dave, that I don't really give a rip what nobody else thinks. It's just me and Jesus. And I love him, and he loves me. And I'm hearing his voice, and I want more of him. And I'm in a place of surrender. And I might not be as good or do as much or did this or did that, but what I do know is that he knows me. You know who I want else to know me? I want the devil to know me. I want him to say, Paul, I know, and Jesus, I know, and you're scaring the life out of me. (laughs) Because I've been with him. I've been in his presence. I know the Lord, and my mind is being renewed every day of his purpose. Am I making any sense this morning? Living in the purpose of God. It's so funny how we live sometimes. I, I, I tell this little story this morning. It's like, we live our life sometimes always trying to get into the crowd and please the people. Like, man, I really I really want Ann to think I'm spiritual. So, I, I mean, I, I'm just going to impress her with my spirituality. When I was a young minister... I I went to these conferences, you know, and you've heard me tell this story before, but I went to these camp meetings and conferences, and and I went to this one place always before camp meeting April because they had the best suits, and everybody that was a big-time preacher shopped there. So I went there, and I'd get the suit every year, and, man, I would have this outfit on this $2,000 suit, and I'd have a $150 necktie on. And I'd have a $200 shirt on. And I'd have $75 cool looking multicolored socks. And I'd have Allen Edmonds shoes with wingtips on them because you you could really peach, preach if you had them, man. And I would go to this conference. I've been wearing about $4,000 worth of outfit because I wanted to fit in, I wanted to be a part because all the big time preachers had that label. And I wanted to be in on the in crowd. Here's a little problem. I made $800 a month as a, child, as a youth pastor. I'm spending a whole year paying a suit off. John, you never had that problem, have you? So, so man. You got to be careful what you say to John. He'll shout back at you. So I wanted, and I wanted to be this preacher man. I wanted to be that so bad. So make sure, you know, when you took your coat off, you folded it inside out. Make sure everybody saw the label. Yeah. No pride. Broke (laughs) as a joke. Didn't have enough money to eat, but I look good. Didn't have to worry about getting overweight to wear the suit because I didn't have any money to eat. <laughs> and My favorite preacher was Anthony Mangan. And Anthony could preach, and I studied him, and I watched him take those notes. And, he'd, and one day I asked him, I said, can I see your notes? Sure. He had like 30 pages of notes for one sermon. Every word that he said was written out. And he had this incredible ability to read those notes and flip through them as he read them. And Man, I thought that was awesome. So I went home, and I typed up all my notes. And Man, I'm going to be this great preacher and I'm going to type every word I'm going to say, and I'd get up there and start trying to read it with my dyslexia. Let me you how bad that went. <laughs> it was terrible. It was horrible. But the whole time I'm wearing my suit and trying to preach my sermons, inside of me was this man that didn't know who God had created him to be. I knew there was a calling on my life. But I was trying to find myself in a fleshly fashion. I could tell you so glad I'm delivered from suits in Jesus' name. I wore one to a wedding last night. It was horrible. I felt like I was in a straitjacket. Of course, the cleaner shrunk it, it wouldn't quite make it. As soon as I got out of that wedding, I was pulling that shirt out. Praise God. Free. you got to come to this place in your walk with God. You don't really give a rip what people think about you. I, I need somebody to catch an attitude this morning. Like I really don't care what you think about me. What I really care is what God thinks about me. What I'm really concerned about is that my mind is renewed and I know who I am and who I'm called to be and what my purpose is. Because that's a life of complete freedom. Amen. That's a life of joy. That's a life of peace. Somebody asked me, said, how, I don't know how you do that pastoring thing. I'll tell you how to do it. I have the grace on my life to do it because I'm called to it. Yeah. And I know who I am in Christ Jesus. And when you walk in the grace of the purpose of your calling, there's something that's freeing about that that you can't explain. Am I making any sense to anybody today? Hallelujah. So good. So having our minds transform is a completely different perspective. We live and we think and we co labor with Christ. That's called sonship. Ephesians two says this and his fullness fills you, even though you were once like a corpse, dead in your sins and offenses. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the region of religion and customs and values of this world, obeying the dark rulers of this earth, earthly realm, who fills the atmosphere with his authority, the works and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. It wasn't that long ago that you were walking in this darkness fulfilling the lust of the flesh obeying the pride in your life bound to the authorities of this world the corruption that was in us from the birth was expressed through the deeds and the desires of our self life and we live by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds decided living in a rebellious living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath, like everyone else, but God. Everybody say, but God, but God. still loved us with His great love. <laughs> that you already just like that. That already just gets you so excited because when I am just at my worst, <laughs> when I'm when I am a, when I am at the worst of my life, the the bottom of the barrel, and I'm, my life is a teetotal wreck. But God. No, though that but God is more than just a but God showed up. But God, in his love and in his mercy, was already working on my behalf. But God. That's So good. I got more excited about that than you did. I probably needed a but God more. But God still loved us with such great love. So He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, He united us into the the very life of Christ and saved us by His wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the Exalted One, and we ascended with Him in the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm, and we are now co seated with one with Christ but God but God you know what God did God said whoa whoa wait a minute I know what the world sees I know what people think and I know that you were born in this corruption of your life but I had a plan for your life before the worlds were framed. And so my mercy and my grace has been chasing you down all the days of your life. Because I wanted to bring you from the place that you were. I wanted to take you from the dark places you've been in. Come on, Joe, let me borrow you for a second. He said, I want to take you from the, from the, 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 the sin and the corruption of your life because I think of more of you than you think of yourself. And I've got you sitting co-laboring with me in heavenly places. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean, God? He said, I'm placing my authority on your life. I'm placing my purpose on your life. I'm giving you the crown of righteousness I'm making you perfect. And so what are you going to do with that? Now I've given you the authority to go and act on my behalf. Amen. Woo! Come on, somebody. I'm talking about I'm co-laboring with the God of the universe. Amen. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Did you get it? Because you're powerful. I'm co-laboring With God of the universe. He has set me in a high place. Listen, I don't need to have your status quo. I'm as high as it gets. I'm in the most lofty place there can be. So the president don't need to know me because Jesus knows me. And the governor don't need to know me because Jesus knows me. And where are you going? And and, uh, I I am co laboring. Come on, we got to co labor. You want to preach a little bit with me? And so I'm co laboring with Christ in heavenly places. And I have authority. I can speak to the enemy. The enemy has come into our life. I speak to him, get out of my life. The enemy's like, woo, Geo, get back. Why why are you afraid of him? Because he's been sitting in heavenly places with God. He has authority over, and he rules. You see the difference between having the mind of Christ and co-laboring with the Lord and then being on this outside of striving? Oh, if I could just make it, if I can just make it, stay there, don't go nowhere. So, you know, this is, listen, I'm going to talk to you just for, give me, hey, it's about the rain, I can preach, because y'all don't want to go out in the rain, I can preach another hour. <laughs> and, and the Lord wants us to stop living this roller coaster Christian life, where we're one day on the mountaintop. Whoa, I can leap to it, run through a troop, leap over a wall. I'm mighty through God. I just left a, a great prayer meeting and whoa, I'm feeling good. Man, you should have heard the band. You should have heard the power of God. Church was awesome today. Monday morning. A like somebody in a Western movie. Geez, my son Sunday come quickly. I can't hand it to the house of God. <laughs> You're riding. Uh, somebody just go ahead and shoot me, to finish me off. <laughs> no, I'm seated in heavenly places. Bring it on. You want some of this, devil? Come on. Why? I know who I am. I know what my purpose is. I know where I'm going. Oh, a bad day just happened. Bad days happen. (laughs) Bad days don't determine my good days. Why? I'm sitting with Christ in heavenly places. Are y'all getting this this morning? You hearing what I'm saying? I'm done with you. You know what I love about this lady right here? I love a lot of things about her. One, she's really cute. <laughs> she She's good. But the thing I love most about her in our 26 years of marriage is she's faithful. You're never going to find her hooping and hollering about Jesus. Just not gonna fi- she's not going to do that. She's not going to be like, whoo-hoo. But you know what you're not going to have her doing? Acting like Jesus do not exist. She's steady. Amen. I can't hate <laughs> the times she's picked me up off the floor and said, That ain't God, boy. I know, but I want to throw a pity party right now. <laughs> well, go ahead. Ain't nobody coming but you and the devil, and he's the only one enjoying it. <laughs> Steady, unmovable, unchanging. She has some bad days? Yeah. She lives with me. (laughs) But the deal is, she's found her place in God and knowing who she's created to be. Therefore, I'm not going to live in condemnation or guilt or shame I'm not going to live in this up and down motion. I have set my affections up on the Lord. And he's not changing. That's the way God wants us to live. Faithful. All right, I'm not done, but I'm going to quit. God wants us to be mature, and I, I, I want to say this with a little grace on it because I know we're on a journey. But we make a lot of excuses for not growing up in Christ. Am I helping anybody today? We make a lot of excuses for not growing up in Christ, and we want to live on the bottle. I was good. I need a drink. We want to live on the bottle. And we have these moments where the Lord prepares a table for us with a ribeye, a filet mignon, and a baked potato. And we taste it, and it's good. But because we live so in the flesh, we tend to go back to the bottle. And we never mature. So therefore... We never live in the fulfillment and the purpose of God in our life. But the reason why is, it's not because of people, places, or things, and the excuses that we use, that person, this situation, we blame everything, it's simply because we don't get up every day and say, Lord, renew my mind. Give me your heart. Let me know where I'm seated at. Let me walk in your authority today and be who you've called me to be. Right. It's just lived in knowing who I am. i walking in his image and his purpose, his plan for my life. Heather, you can come. God is so good to us there's a lot of grace I thank God for his grace every day because what I'm preaching about today has nothing to do with perfection except for that I'm made perfect in Christ and when I tell you I'm made perfect in Christ don't remind me next week well pastor that don't look so perfect because I'm not talking about this flesh I'm talking about being made perfect with him And his grace and his love is so powerful in our life. His goodness is so powerful in our life. And he wants us so bad to live in in his purpose and his plan for our life. And he's given us so much authority over the enemy. It's like arming you with with all the weapons that you need. And I'll be talking about that next Sunday about warfare. But it's like arming you with all the weapons you need. All the authority you need. But because you don't know who you are. You don't use what's been put in your hands. He wants you to know that you're his bride, that you're his girl, that you're his son, and you're sitting in heavenly places with him. And my favorite scripture in all the Bible, and no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Bring it on. I'm armed and dangerous why because I'm powerful I'm powerful because I'm seated with him and he's placed his authority on my life is that a good word are y'all ready to go win the war live in peace overcome the enemy walk in faith have great anointing on your life Break off the darkness around you? Let's just wait on the Lord just a second. Bow your heads. See what the Holy Spirit would do right now.